Hello everyone, this is Cloud2. I'm at Foscon in upstate New York, and I'm talking with Scott and Meg from, I think, PlausibleArtWorlds.org. Is that what you guys are with? Basecamp.com is the domain for the group. Okay. Basecamp with a K. Basecamp with a K. Dot com. With a C. <laughs> Good distinction there. Um, I'm always going to the com with a K. Um, yeah. yeah, so Basecamp.com uh, is... I, you you guys should probably explain what it is. To me, it's an art collective. Is that right, or it's completely wrong? Not completely wrong. Right. A collection of artists okay. and ideas and events. Um, it's a physical space in Philadelphia. Okay. And um, sort of a number of programs and projects have been running in the past, and this year's focus is Plausible Art Worlds, although Plausible Art Worlds is older than just this year. It's been in the works for many years. Okay. And Scott can speak to that. Well, okay, yeah, so let me, th- tell me what exactly, uh, let's start with Plausible Art Worlds, I guess, because that's what your, your keynote was on. So what exactly is Plausible Art Worlds? Well, um, the, the keynote was about one part of Plausible Art Worlds, just the part that's concerned with free and open source culture. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, that's concerned with art worlds that relate to free and open source culture in some way. Right. Um, plausible Art Worlds, the way to explain it is to to talk about our interest in plausibility and also our interest in art worlds, and like why we're int- why we're sort of combined okay. those and why, are why we care and why you should care, I guess. Um, why should I care? Plausibility. We're interested in the plausible. Um, as opposed to what? As opposed to the merely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, or the or extent? The, yeah, the extent of the, the, the definite. You know, um, mm-hmm. things that are... Things that are Ever so slightly Marginal out of reach, or yeah, just just out, just just just, just over the end, just potentially out of reach. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, at least enough to be to be um, valid to question their viability or their plausibility. You mm-hmm. wouldn't say that is uh, is Microsoft plausible or is capitalism plausible? There, on one hand, there, there's almost nothing less plausible, but in right. reality, they are dominant <laughs> forces. They're right. known, uh, to, right. you know, um, things that are not. Uh, things that are maybe are in fledgling form, they may have not been around for very long, or they may have been around for very long, but just they haven't been dominant either for a long time. It's almost a hy- hypothesis, uh, testing active hypotheses, you know, sort of like, and open source culture being one of the themes. There are six, six themes, but that it, there's a lot of overlap between all of them. And so the question is not about the theme; it's more about the, the content and the. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, like, what are we looking at the plausibility of? We're looking at the plausibility of art worlds in particular. Why? Because we were trained as artists, or we had, on s- at some point in our lives, been interested in in art as a ve- vehicle for culture um, and communication. Yeah, and like also, yeah, and art is like really weird um, in the sense that uh, a part of our job is to continue to redefine our own job description. Also, mm-hmm. part of our job is to reimagine every part of the world around us. It doesn't mean that we ever can successfully do that, and I would definitely wouldn't say most artists do that at all. But right. to the point, to the extent that we ever do, um, are it's not just the sort of art objects themselves or the artists themselves, but the art worlds that are created, um, the, the environment that sustains our practice yeah. becomes a kind of petri dish for these cultural mutations because we're we're trying to experiment with them, um, and so we're really looking at not just groups of artists or art scenes mm-hmm. or any particular art world because there are tons of them, mm-hmm. but are there as many art worlds as there are artists, potentially, or 
Probably not, just mathematically, because, uh, I mean, maybe, but if, if everyone were always collaborating, that's probably think of it, not. All right. Yeah. If you think of the artist as sort of like the the point in the Venn diagram where there's intersections, it's possible mm -hmm. that there are, for every artist there are one or more mm -hmm. art worlds. Is it possible? Is it possible? <laughs> <But> <laughs> it are probably plausible is possible because if you because define it, an art world okay. as an imagined intersection That's between okay. any artist in the universe then or any artist in the world, then sure. But like really, like we're looking at people who literally do have some engagement with one another right. and work okay. together. So probably not in that sense. You, it could, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. But the group component is pretty important, and the groups of groups component is also exactly important. what what makes a world how how reducible is a world mm -hmm. like some theorists believe that um, or make an argument that you really can't reduce a world to to less than two people okay you, well then you have an individual you, or yeah you, right. you can't although we're also really interested in the fractured self and Collective pseudonyms and mm -hmm. <laughs> and that sort of thing, but but literally you can't you can't have a like from some ways of thinking you can't have a world with less than three people ultimately um, less than three I don't really know but really we're we're interested in not just these like those kinds of micro worlds and like continuing to sort of like reduce 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 but also these macro art worlds some of them are really vast and large overwhelmingly and so yeah and and is that a good thing or a bad thing or you're just pointing well, it depends it out. on what we're really trying to do i mean uh -huh. if we were just looking at art worlds then that kind of sounds a lot like howard becker's like art world book that like you're supposed to read for like art and sociology hmm. 101 you know but like we're looking at particular kinds we're looking at art worlds that we describe as or can argue as being plausible in the way that we just sort of mentioned it before so peop things that are doing something different than they're creating a world, an art world that is structurally different mm -hmm. or in some substantive way um, differs from what's currently available in the mainstream. Right. Okay. One thing, just sort of to like draw a line between our keynote and, and FOSCON, because one of the questions that was raised during the speech was yeah. how is this applicable to open source, or can you sh give us one example of how this is applicable to open source software? And I think that to answer that question is that all of the examples that we showed are somehow applicable, but so what is an example in open source software communities that would be, that we would describe as plausible? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I heard somebody mention was social coding, mm -hmm. this like idea of like the GitHub that comes mm -hmm. out that's just like, you know, emergent kind of this out of necessity, this this community that's formed to, to organize um, the efforts of the the coders and the projects and the development practices. It's even it's even begun to like there therein also has formed like smaller and more micro kind of examples well, of yeah. yeah. I mean, what you guys were talking about sounded like open source software to me yeah. because it was like wait a minute they're just describing for the artists exactly what the software people are doing. They're, they're well, here's what we've been doing is mm -hmm. we've been involved in the open source cultural movement. Mm -hmm. Since uh, basically like started Creative in Commons and stuff like that, sort it's, of. Well, Creative Commons isn't, wasn't around mm -hmm. then, but but like many people are involved in in uh, open collaborative engagement, mm -hmm. and our mission is to focus on the think on a more intimate level than not like a global and cultural mm -hmm. level, but like mm -hmm. sort of like local and and non-local, but r like romantically local groups. I mean, and literally in some cases where there's uh, polyamorous communities or groups that are more tight-knit, like families, mm -hmm. where the family structure is set up a bit, bit differently than a kind of, you know, from a nuclear family or something like mm -hmm. that. Basecamp at a certain point pretty quickly decided to form a mission to focus on 
the the weird like problems and intricacies of collaboration, not just to celebrate working together. Because collaboration itself is not good. I mean, you collaborate in war, you collaborate on all kinds of stupid shit, you sure, collaborate on sure. great things. It just means li- working together. Uh-huh. Collectivity, the reason we don't really describe ourselves as collective usually is collectivity means usually means living together. Mm. And although we do that too, our collective sort of, I think the word has been so abused that it sort of has lost its meaning for a right. lot of people. Okay. Well, you can kind of band, lots of artists band together for notoriety for, by association and they mm-hmm. sort of call themselves collectives and we just haven't really done that as much because, not to distinguish ourselves, but just to not further confuse that picture. We just sort of, mm-hmm. call, you know. But in any case, um, like that's what Basecamp was set up for and so because we were, we're have all this time in finding different ways to work together, finding different ways to work with other people, trying to support other people that are working together in critical ways, critical in the sense that they're self uh, they question how they do it, mm-hmm. and they question whether it's good for them and good for other people and good for anything. In that sense, I think it's very similar to, to uh, open source software because the, at least the methods of open source software, where it is all about working with one another, finding different ways to work, mm-hmm. and some of the philosophy that has sort of, that has supported open source software movement as a kind of branch off from open source the open source culture movement. Mm-hmm. Right. And open source culture movement only defined itself over time and we just sort of over time just realized, hey, we're we're really kind of running parallel in a way. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted to, to, to reach out to other to, to really understand other people that are doing this too and to kind of just try to see just what is really all going on here because it's something larger than any of us. There there's really there's really just interesting like m- mini structures that come out of like open source culture and open source software that like become like these little like very poignant moments where you see eye to eye with some person that you've never met or mm-hmm. eye to eye with a project that you never thought you would possibly find, you know, like Scott and I are both affiliated with like Drupal as a primary platform for the web work that we do. I'll be like trolling through the modules and I'll come across something and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this emergent kind of this like um, epiphany. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's there's this stuff here that I would never have ever been able to find without this world that supports its finding and like, the structure of the search and the idea of code review and the idea, you know, of just sort of like meetups and lightning talks to just, describe things and have like you know progressive enhancement the IRC community that Drupal uses yeah community other form yeah. other streams of communication you know ways to document self documentation and that sort of thing so it's like there's a lot of and all of those tools are things that are constantly going through my head as an artist you know to use but I I'm using them mm-hmm. instead for the web you right, know yeah. and so it's like how can I how can we find ways to tether um or like to grab onto these these structures that Exist. So, do you guys see any distinction between technology and art? Well, I mean, technology is a is an evolving set of tools. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I mean, art is always made, technology made use from of technology. like a primitive sense, like technology yeah. being tool making, which has always been intrinsically tied to art making since the dawn of man. If you think of it that way, like you Which know, the way we like to look back and describe it, right. But the art always, in my, in my, I mean, like, I don't know if you share this view, but in my mind, art exists in technology integrally, and technology exists in art integrally. They're sort of two separate industry, but, you know, they're openly and equally related. Artists are sort of historically bottom feeders. Artists are almost always behind on technology, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so we pick up on, oh, people stop making, stop using lithography as a primary. Mm-hmm. 
you know, right. around the you know mm-hmm. late nineteenth century, is like uh, as a primary printing method. Oh, you know, maybe maybe we should maybe we should use this because now nobody cares about it anymore. Or but look at like Minority Report, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, and like sort of like this artist designed this interface for this film. You know, that's like this like you know kind of forward thinking. You know, like gestural. You know, and that now you know that these technologies are like you know really serving. Exactly. If you include designers in that equation or the definition of what artists are, Which then is an, mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing too. Then yeah, I mean like technology uh, or industry always makes use and absorbs artists' ideas and vision. When you say art, do you mean art and design, or do you mean specifically art? Are you asking? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I mean, um, personally, I uh, I like to make very little distinction between that, unless there's a reason to get more mm-hmm. fine grained. Right. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what interests me about collaboration and contemporary cultural practice. The reason we've sort of like genericized that mm-hmm. like description mm-hmm. is because there's there's really no reason that's good that I can see to uh, continue supporting hyper specialization in any field. Started and will end with this institution institutional setting, you know, where I I'm going to school to be a graphic designer, I'm going to school to be a fine artist or a craftsperson. Mm-hmm. Like schools like RIT and I'm learning, you know, where there's like so much overlap mm-hmm. and those those schools are coming out, but there's also like smaller, well, alternative communities and opportunities for pedagogy and like sort of the way that we can learn from each other and find stuff more easily than it would take to sort of sift through the institutional framework or that whether if you're inside of that framework, you'll ever see the stuff that you would see if it was more open. Are you talking about like sort of the democratization of like art training and stuff? Is that what you mean? That that. That's part of it, I think. Just in general, the hierarchical structures that are that sit in between a hungry creative person yeah. and their their future as an innovator. Well, interdisciplinarity is really important for contemporary art. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but also, you know, that doesn't necessarily lead to some kind of liberatory place. It could be liberating for an individual to like sure. try different things and be like, oh, I want to blur the boundaries. That's good in that sense as well. But but also like it's just it's a really tough. Not to crack, you know. Well, it because requires an an amazing amount of research and sort of dedication to seek for truth. You know, seeking like truth seeking. It's this like infinite activity. Probably my biggest concern in looking at collaboration. Collaboration is really effective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, managerial models just work. They tend to work. They tend to work in certain circumstances, and productivity goes up. This is industry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, artists have their competencies. Their competencies are used in the service of other interests that artists don't really care about, but they're happy to be supported if they, they're willing to play ball, if I'm okay, I'm willing to play ball, or they're not, but then they basically get sucked into the game anyway because there's seemingly no other choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know, I think, uh, I think it's really important to, to look at how we work together. Mm-hmm. The way that we work together means something. It's not, just, it's not just means to an end. It has to do with whether, I'm not just talking about workers' alienation, although that's part of it, but even just how are we contributing to the world around us? What kind of world do we want to see and be in? Mm-hmm. Well, you and know, what kind of world um, are we building then? I mean, yeah. how important, I guess, is the I fact... Because you're talking about a lot of local stuff, it sounds like. Well, artists are very important, increasingly important, mm-hmm. in shaping the world around us. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you include architects, mm-hmm. designers... Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Industrial designers, yep. um, people that cross the lines between art and technology. Um, I mean, Jesus, almost everything you see and everything that we do has been touched in some way by one of those fields. Mm-hmm. You know, and so how we are in some ways in control, or at least in have more agency mm-hmm. in our role in that stuff, has to do with how the world gets shaped, or could be shaped. 
So speculative thinking, I don't mean like venture speculation, but you know, um, thinking about plausibility of certain options mm -hmm. is important. And I think back to the plausible art world thing, the reason that I feel that looking at worlds or the social environments that we create and the social, sort of the relationships that we set up and the working relationships that we set up, those structures are super important because when we're creative with, with that, we're reimagining the way the world is shaped on the social level, the way our our various systems are shaped, education systems, government systems, sure. family systems. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we could also like hyper-focus our creativity on like materials and shit, colors and textures and things like that. No, no offense to anyone who loves that stuff because it, it is interesting, but mm -hmm. I don't really care if I'm living in a fascist regime that has better textures. I don't, you know, I yeah. I think it's more interesting. I mean, more comfortable I, chairs. Yeah, more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it it doesn't mean uh, that. I mean, just to sort of like hit you with the frying pan on that one. I, it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in nuances. I really am. But for this particular project, I think those come with the projects that are looking at the social environments. A lot of those people do design stuff too, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they're interested in the visual. And you know, I don't know. It's just a really interesting angle for us. It's been it's opened a lot of doors, mm -hmm. um, and it's asked. It sort of presented a lot of questions that, through trying to, I don't know, approach them, we see a lot of innovation on the social level coming out of this. So is is that a byproduct then of your primary mission, I guess? New ideas in social systems. Or is that part of the point? Experiment. It's yeah, it's both. I I think yeah, I, I agree with Meg. I think I think it is both, and I think that looking at art worlds, people can understand these art world variants, these art world mutations people in other fields can learn so much more. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when you're like knee deep in an indus any industry or any media or practice to like take a step back and look at yourself and what you're working on and look at the world around you. Mm -hmm. And the more sort of like forces there are at work to facilitate your undoing, I mean it's not, it's beyond a habit, it's actually like a life, it's a lifestyle or it's like a, and a life system. A life system, yeah, that you, and then we're sort of like creating patterns, you know, frantic, like frenetic you know, sort of activity, and then the more that we're able to create a place where we're able to be aware, but also remain focused on what it is that is meaningful to us as mm -hmm. autonomous individuals, it's sort of like, that for me is really important. Definitely. How to find an individual place within fields of collectivity is uh -huh. like one of the hardest questions to, to answer Because then we, we over-engineer these social systems that are like, that end, right. up, end up being these like, you know, fascists. <laughs> yeah, yet another very oppressive system. Air on, air yeah. on chair, office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Like you need an office with a window. <laughs> um, a lot of floating city. Yeah. Okay, so how? That's an interesting statement. How um, how important is the complete and total abolishment of, of the government, for instance? Uh, I'm not a libertarian. Okay, so not very. Personally, I mean, it's about moving mountains for me. Like I have more I have more interest personally in, in focusing on how I can move this pebble like interestingly mm -hmm. across the parking lot. Then okay. and let and sort of just like in that activity and also being a facilitator or interested in facilitating creating more opportunities for my peers and for other people who, you know, want to be sensitive and not work and you know, obviously the mountains are gonna be in the way and they they'll sort of like crinkle themselves out or they'll figure they'll figure out a way to to implode or whatever. Okay. But leave those leave that up to them. Okay. And not to me. Cool. Personally. One of the groups we work with, um, based in Copenhagen is named Dem Democratic Innovation. Okay. 
um, their primary interest is to focus on, well, literally innovating small and large democratic systems, small groups, large groups. Systems of governance are really important, mm-hmm. and they always come up in formal and informal systems. When you don't sure. have a formal system, when you don't have a formal oppressive system, you have informal oppressive systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're emergent, and <laughs> even like this, like this stuff between the cracks that it comes out and you don't even expect to see it and it totally screws you. We, we do horrible things to each other, mm-hmm. people do, and mm-hmm. we, you know... Because uh, we're not organized. We're unorganized at a certain level. Well, if we were organized, would we do, still do that? It's well, you can you, you can definitely do horrible things in an organized way. Sure. <laughs> There's different fractions and different yeah. levels of organization. Yeah, but 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 definitely, like, you know, um, this is part of what we need to, the kinds of knowledges we need to accumulate and pass on, you know, and... Mm. And, and focus on is, you know, it really how do we live and work together? And so, is this for the in you're in for the long haul? You do you think that the work that you're doing now, or whatever you are doing right now, is going to sort of like make lasting impressions? Or again, is that not necessarily depends what you mean by long? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we've been around for 12 years. Oh, okay. Um, this project started as a proposal in 2002. Possible um, art world. Yeah, the Plausible Arbor Project. Okay, okay. Base camp's been around since 1998. Okay. But, you know, I'm time a pro- is funny. I'm a proponent for, like, the butterfly effect and just the, the, the well-being that there is that lies in knowing that anything I do is going to make an impact. Short-term, Short-term, long-term, big or small, you know. One of our collaborators proposed, worked on, with a group, proposed asking people to make public, public, Proposals that would have a 100-year time span, and uh, mm-hmm. it's sort of interesting what that what that uh, turned up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for an art festival in New York, but um, I liked it because you ask a question like that, and and then different responses start to come out. For Forces people. you to set a milestone, and then the path route comes out of that, in between where you are now and where that milestone is set. Which, with 100 years, you're talking about a large negotiation of time and space. Okay, but what? If I may ask, sort of in that vein, like where this guy asks or this person asks for proposals and stuff, aren't you guys kind of preaching to the choir? I mean, isn't this just sort of an exercise among artistic elite people? And I mean, is there really that particular project that I just mentioned, or not the anything? Plausible Art project yeah, or? let's say the plausible artworks. I mean, like, who mm-hmm. does this really reach out to other than art students, for instance? Honestly, that's one of my biggest concerns. Okay. Um, uh, not trying to reach out, honestly, it's mm-hmm. but to really reach in. Mm-hmm. I think all too often, uh, I mean, it's one of the biggest questions that people ask us. Like some of our friends that are more uh, politically active, or they're mm-hmm. I don't know about more, but they are politically active with their on some level with their work and otherwise, their work is about open social engagement or artist social practice, alternative education or other things mm-hmm. that are going mm-hmm. on today are immediately turned off by a focus on art. They're like, well, why are you focusing on art world? You know, just like, what What right. are you doing? You know, like, and uh, and really, what ends up happening, I think artists are sometimes, well, really interesting ones anyway, are really good at picking apart what uh, other, you know, kind of what's wrong with other fields. Or critiquing, like, maybe institutional critique is it's an excuse to to sort of like critique some, some larger organization or, comp- or whatever, but, um, or system and, and kind of, sort of help reduce our complicity by, like, saying, hey, I'm aware of this. But, right. you know, I, I think, like, many of those artists' works often get fed back into a particular kind of system that then just kind of, like, keeps that ball rolling in a certain direction that sort of continues to reify a certain type of structure. Mm-hmm. And this is a case study in people involved in a field of study and practice 
who are interested in changing the conditions of their own field, reimagining them, experimenting with them, and ultimately changing them. Um, and we're looking at examples of people who are doing just that. It's a case study. We don't have to focus on art. We're actually way more interested in life worlds than we are in art worlds, as Stephen Wright, who was part of our keynote this morning, pointed out, for those of you who weren't there. Um, but we focus on art worlds, A, because that's the field that we're part of, at least that's the primary one. B, part of our role is to mutate. Mm -hmm. It creates a, these uh, petri dishes of difference, of interest, yeah, interesting emergent, di divergent mm -hmm. uh, micro-worlds, mm -hmm. micro-cultures, and mm -hmm. those are And frankly, different, like different. Yeah. Is yeah. a really good way of looking at it too. I mean, that's what Apple, you know, sort of like built their entire model upon. It's like here's here's this technology that you can have that's different, and like, well, we're not marketing it per se. It's it's interesting to think about what different does to people, and like both turns them on and off and turns them on at the same time. Right. Exactly, because it depends on what part of what we're doing that's different. Mm -hmm. um, depending on which part, it has a, a different kind of impact on us. You know, I mean. So <laughs> Tangelo is actually when we're talking about mutation. Scott just told me about this last night, is basically you graft the branch of a tangerine onto um, an, or orange an orange tree, tree. Yeah. yeah, and you come and you come out with this, like, tang tangelo. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing... They taste good. They taste good, they're attractive, and it's awesome, and it's creative. It wouldn't necessarily just be the, the, the hybrid fruit or whatever. We're talking about mutating art worlds. It might be, like, when we were looking at Numla the way that it's owned, the way that it's sold. That would be a mutation in the in the system. Maybe it's legal to do it. Maybe it poses an interesting challenge. But how important is free, as in no moolah, no money, how important is that concept to base camp or to free culture or to open culture, whatever you want to call it? I know, I think it's funny, I was calling it Numla. <laughs> yeah, you're There's calling it Numla, but it is definitely it's definitely no moolah. No moolah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's this is like me just have been tired. Um, <laughs> how important is free to base camp? Yeah, and to open culture in general, I guess. Uh, oh, okay. if, if you differentiate between the two. Oh, well, definitely differentiate between oh, the two. Okay. We don't represent open culture. Uh, okay, good we just, point. Yeah. I, I did it. say that we saw a strong connection, but I think... Party with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Party with it, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, well, it's a, it's a really good question because we live in, in the real world, right? Um, some friends of ours have really built their platform on, uh, or it's been a very important point to them that no money is ever exchanged there. That's a pretty strong statement. And, That's pretty and it's cool. Very, yeah. It's very interesting. However, the only reason they can do that is because they have benevolent donor donating space to them. Right. How do they do all of the crazy awesome stuff that they do? And ultimately, they do it not only because there's a donor. They do it because of the extraordinary amount of energy that they right. put out. But they can only do it yeah. in that space because it's... It's, it was freely given. Projects yeah, like that are, um, like, require well, so much dedication, you know. Yeah. You really have to be, like, you really have, and it's and strict kind of programming and strict kind of form. Yeah. Well, kind of we we have to pay for our space. That's the yeah. thing. We have, yeah, like, a space yeah. that, like, we have to pay, like, no less than $3,000 a month. We're trying also it. to be more more sort of on the self-funded side of things. Like, while we are a yeah. nonprofit and we can accept grant, oh, okay. grants and, and big donations and, like, money bags like we're more interested in being autonomous and self-sustaining mm -hmm. but I mean but what you were saying about base camp I mean isn't that kind of like in a f even if you if there's a free society or whatever kind of hovering around here it's still kind of built on top of where it exists and where it exists right now is in a capitalistic society so pretty I mean, much or yeah. in between or in between well maybe in between realms because 
because yeah, if you think about like Jameson's description of of uh, of dominant systems like capitalism, mm-hmm. is that it's it's not that there's one dominant system or that we're in an era of capitalism. It's that it's that um, there may have been times in the past where various systems have have coexisted. Some were dominant, more dominant than others. And also at the same time, in different places, that happens to, to different sure, degrees. Sure. So now we're still in a place where there's there's this hegemonic struggle between forces of domination and forces of resistance. Mm-hmm. Definitely going on. Right. You can't deny that it's happening. So I think you're right. We're not mm-hmm. just in a system. Mm-hmm. But you're also right because, <coughs> like, we have to pay for our fucking space. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I mean, we, we could, could just, swap, like, yeah. <laughs> we could also just take LSD all day and, like, never look at reality and just have plausible experiences in our <laughs> in our minds, but we're not doing that. Are those plausible or possible? <laughs> They're in, may, maybe plausible and plausible. It's hard to know. But we, but Basecamp has been strictly non-commercial for years. No money really... It's not that no money's exchanged hands, because it does, because, like, people pony up for, their, for, for like, pitching in for the space. But, like, we've never charged for ad- admission. We've okay. never charged for beer. You know, we've never charged for classes. We have potlucks, because it's sort of a redeeming... You know, like we're we're happy to share something like an event with you or whatever, and it, then you can sort of come and, and enjoy yourselves and allow other people to enjoy themselves too. Yeah, and they can be food is really pitch in, nice. right? Yeah. Like that. That's yeah, great. Pitch so, in. So, but we we're definitely like I have to say that a little self critique here. I've, I think there's been a bit of self denial over the years about about the relationship hmm. to money that we've had. Uh huh. You know, I mean. Really, like we've exchanged money. That's why I was sort of emphasizing affordability too, and like that. Right. Yeah. Really, it's idealistic, and it's also like really awesome to to think about stuff being free. But then you actually start doing that, and it just disappears. Yeah. That opportunity to do that disappears. Really quickly. A a conference like this really, like, really highlights the very various definitions of of the word free. Yes. The different concepts that are attached to that. Yeah. Like we've been talking about. So. We've like when we're focusing so much on not paying money, we may actually inadvertently be ignoring other definitions of what free could be. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, you know, like just really looking at what a free culture might be could very well involve the exchange of money. Yeah. You know, sure. Like at every turn. Talking about like the dominant capitalist society, you know, to it's almost it almost costs more money sometimes to to get to the margin than it would to just sort of like sit in, in a stasis like in the kind of like the cesspool. And we and we work jobs. Yeah. We work we we bust our asses to make money. We consult with people to like bring in piles of cash. Not always, but you know, like sometimes we do shit for free, but oftentimes it's like we're doing it we're basically pimping our asses on the street yeah. in order to do these cultural projects so we can pretend that it's free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and we think that it's important. We haven't really been so over about it and so it's you know, maybe it's not as easy to critique. And but I think it's still worth critiquing slightly. So we've really been talking a lot about ways to ways to sort of like institute these kind of fundraising maneuvers we've been doing over the years. Mm-hmm. Right. As more exploratory experimental things. Mm-hmm. You know, and more participatory ways mm-hmm. more participatory ways to do them. So it's not so isolated. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe until we can find ways that don't require us. Eventually maybe we'll have the savvy, like fundraising savvy that we can quit our day jobs. You know, and be completely self-sustaining. But for now, that's 
you know, it's sort of just a practice makes perfect kind of thing. I like the idea. We were talking about the residency program at base camp, and um, the idea sort of that, that resonates is sort of do more or clean up after yourself more than you think that you have, that you need to, or is like, you know, bring more to the table than you think that you're using, or, you know, just sort of just be um, a proponent, you know, as opposed to a user, um, and be like shared in this space with a sensibility. And this applies to a space like Basecamp or the entire culture as at large. Or the planet. Or the planet, yeah. <laughs> but and yeah. It's, I like the idea of like affordability. It's like sort of like affordability in the sense that like this is what I can afford. And then there's also beyond that there's like just a little bit more that you can probably give or you're not held necessarily against that. You know? It's the idea of just like doesn't isn't the burden there on the person to, to do those things. Yes. The idea of a distributed model mm-hmm. that sort of like saves saves the individual from feeling that hit. Okay. There are definitely ways to make it easier, right, on us to pull our pull our weight, you know. Well, and um, speaking of that, or speaking of that, I was going to ask uh, how how people like me could get involved with Basecamp. Like a listener, if they want to, if they say this is really a cool idea, what's the interaction that they might have with Basecamp? Tuesday Come hang night. Out with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you're not in Philly. Um, Tuesday nights we have a potluck, weekly potluck chat, and that's via Skype, okay. where we look at the plausible art worlds, and it's a way to sort of get an, a, a stronger sense of what, what it is that we're doing. Is it just utter chaos? I mean, like, it just sounds like like a conference room, like, could get pretty messy. It's People pretty speaking intimate. over each other. Yeah? No, it's very, very tame. tightly organized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's tame. I mean, it is not 100% organized because sure. there's like there's almost always a tech hiccup with it like yeah. make us start a half an hour late yeah. or yeah. Um, you know depending on the weather like we could have two dozen people there or two people right um, we should also push the public school is another way to oh, sort okay. of it's, we're hosting this program it's the public school philly.thepublicschool.org and temporarily base camp is sort of a hub but that's more of like a, a free node actually in Philadelphia that we're like, facilitating it's like birth, you know, classes, if you want to take any class, you can propose it. If you want to teach a class, you can propose it. You can browse the courses that have been proposed. And oh, wow. the scheduling all takes place in a web interface, and it's built on Drupal. started with the Telic Arts Exchange in How L.A. How are the classes done on that? They're just, like, online it's courses? Sort of no, no, they're organized in real space. Yeah, real space. Oh, okay. They can Need be, space or you know, we like the idea, of, the idea of Skyping some of the courses. Space space. If it's, yeah. Okay. Some of them are exploratory, physical, highly physical. Um, some of them are more kind of meta with like research pieces, okay. you know. Um, but that's that's to be determined. I mean, it's it's sure. really what this community is making of the the school. Cool. So that's another way to get involved. Yeah. And just reach out. I mean, just go to basecamp.com and there you'll find um, you know contact lists, mailing lists, um, and uh, like we're on Skype also. As uh, what's the Skype Send us name a letter. Or it's Basecamp okay. with a K. Okay. Yeah, I mean, people call us or email us. Okay. People propose projects, and we're we're open to that. Mm-hmm. We're also open just to to a simple hello. Sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be a uh, a roadblock. But you guys must be sort of like big rock stars, so. Like, I wouldn't uh, say that. No, no not I at don't all. really okay. think that's true. So anyone, anyone can just. No, yeah, not not at all. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not to be uh, not to backpedal or anything, or sort of downplay, but just no, really, it's it's uh, that's really not how we roll. It's not. Um, uh, I like to hang out, cook, yeah. cook food, <laughs> improv cooking class. 
Yeah, there you go. On the the public school. Yeah, those happen Tuesday nights before the potlucks. Um, cool. What does that really mean anyway? Uh, what is notoriety in any anyway? Ultimately, I think it's just sort of how you how you present yourself and what kind of games that you'd want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't spend any energy on that at all, and, and we often turn down opportunities that don't seem to have these components that are important to us that might sort of be more notoriety. Uh, I would. Say that might be more uh, notable, flashy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm not, also we're not opposed to that because we have done that too. Those sure, two, you know, sure. um, because and almost only because there's someone on the inside, or there's someone who is an ally in that org- institution mm-hmm. who we know can help put the interests of the projects mm-hmm. first, and it's then not we're a, happy to do that. Yeah, it's not it's not so much about the publicity as it is about the appearance and the presence and the experience and the shared experience. Like if, if I'm interested in sort of being an evangelist or putting myself out there, but it's not because I like want to feel like popular with my friends. Whatever. <laughs> it's because like I really believe that like what I'm being exposed to is unique and awesome, and I want to share um, stuff with people. Okay. Well. Um I think I'm more or less out of questions now. I could probably go on, but thanks for talking to me. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for asking to chat. Okay, cool. Great. Thanks. That was great, guys. That was fantastic. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting.